Promise No Promises, Feminism in the Caribbean, Episode 3, When Body Becomes Feeling. The podcast Promise No Promises opens a new chapter called Feminism in the Caribbean. The series of four new episodes arises from personal conversations between curator and writer Sonia Fernandez-Pan and art practitioners from the Caribbean region. The collaboration is part of the public program of the past exhibition one month after being known in that island at the Kulturstiftung Basel Geiger with the Caribbean Art Initiative curated by Gina Jiménez-Suriel and Pablo Guardiola. The changeful history of the colonization of the Caribbean has left deep scars that are still present today. This is best known by artists and cultural practitioners who work in their own way on an identity of its own for the Antilles. The term Caribbean here is used primarily in a geographical sense to help overcoming local antagonisms between different political systems, languages and cultures while allowing artists of all origins to exchange ideas and thus work together on a Caribbean identity. This series of podcasts aims to engage with a plurality of voices from different backgrounds to think with them on the diversity implicit in the notion of identity. When Body Becomes Feeling is the third episode, which arises from an epistolary conversation with the choreographer and performer Marily Gallardo. Teacher in Afro-Antillian dance, she is also founder and organizer of Kalalu Danza, Afro-Caribbean Culture Research and Creative Action Lab. Marily Gallardo became aware of the discipline of the body from a very young age. First training in dance and later being part of the Dominican Republic's first Olympic gymnastics team in 1974. As she herself says in an interview with Dominican journalist Patricia Solano, it is fundamental to recognize the body as the first territory, as the most important place to construct the experience of life. This is because the body is also a denied territory, inhabited by social disciplines above all for women. Marily Gallardo's work is a constant affirmation practice of the body, individual, collective and communitarian at the same time. Marily's body and all the bodies she carries become present in her words through the polyrhythm and energy they radiate, making her writing also dance, brimming with movements and gestures. Dance will soon become Marilee's profession, beginning in career that is first and foremost a way of life. In an online conversation with performance artist Jochi Munoz, she narrates her awareness of the Afro, of the African diaspora, and her early relationship with teaching. This consciousness would later lead to the organization of a vocabulary and methodology of Afro dance. At the age of 23, she arrived in New York, where she came in contact with artistic movements focused on the black body and black culture. 
It was upon her return to the Dominican Republic that Marily Gallardo began a practice of composing techniques and vocabularies of the Dominican tradition, becoming a teacher of Afro dance. Rhythm is fundamental in her research, as well as percussion, seeking to reclaim and give visibility to the relationship and movement between body and drum. The culture of black communities is the matrix of Dominican identity. However, as Mary Lee says, the importance and relevance of Afro-Dominican dance is still absent in many official dance studies, including that of the National Dance School. Recognizing the techniques and the organized systems of Afro-Dominican dance to place it in official curricula is also part of her work as a choreographer and teacher. Kalalu Dance School, directed by Marily Gallardo, started its activity more than two decades ago. Emerging from the need to bring back the experience of creativity and reflection on Dominican culture, their collective work reinforces Afro-Caribbean ways of doing both in insular and peninsular territories. Kalalu's community activity also manages to re-signify patterns of tradition, which are different from each generation and for each individual experience. The connection with the matrix is preserved, while at the same time allowing other sources and new elements to appear. Afroculture is a culture in ongoing movement. Kalalu is not only a school to train dance performers. It is a place of citizen training based on Afro-Antillian rhythms and the legacy of Maroon culture. As Merrily remarks, it is about hace escuela, to identify, share and distribute the power of women and black culture. This podcast episode with Marily Gallardo is the result of a process of several months in collaboration with other people. The words that Marily writes in Spanish have been translated into English by Albertine Kopp and read by Gina Jiménez-Suriel, who adds her body, her rhythm and her voice to Marily's. The conversation between Sonia Fernández-Pan and Marily started in June 2021, time of harvest and of Marily's birthday, and lasted until the end of the year. In July 2021, the event Mujeres de la Candela took place, as she told Sonia in one of her lively emails from the Dominican Republic. Celebrating the many contributions of Afro-descendant women is to recognize their legacy and work as both conocedoras y guardianas of a large intangible heritage. How her body becomes feeling is something that Marily shares through her writing, in one of the texts she sent to Sonia. The word feeling appears in bold. Words vibrate in Marilee's text and hands, full of dance, celebrating the collective struggle of black women. Their resistance is a political movement in which pleasure, memory, and the shared power of dance are flowing towards the future.
This past Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021, was my birthday. A magic number, 63. Six plus three equals nine. Time for the harvest. Multiples of three. In Voodoo culture, the popular religiousness of Afro-descendant communities, number three marks points of great significance for the configuration of rites installations, dance, and drumbeats to call upon ancestral spirits and forces of nature. So it is a privilege to arrive at my birthday dance, dancing from a felt body, from a space-time that waves and constructs the recovery of the affective and gestural memory. Through the ritual dances, the experience arrives as a collectively learned one, tracing meanings, knowledge, and the co-creative legacy black culture bequest for the planet. The experience of my improvised birthday party dance is one of absoluteness, a spontaneous dance that allows me to blossom on the inside and share, through ritualized action, a body territory of knowledge. This body memory territory that deals with and questions own here and now can expand and link to a whole since my existence is related to cause of posture, movement, polyrhythmic keys, and a spin that thinks feels itself as a spiral. Inhabiting this black body detonates states of consciousness that transcend the place of origin and the sense of belonging. The dance and music created by Afro-descendants hold invaluable secrets that inhabit this territory signalized by body language. In my improvised birthday dance, my body invokes joy through learned gestures, mainly to collectivize my well-being, to attract, invoke, call upon, conjure an emotional and mental state that recreates life. That is quite powerful, and the side effect is pleasure, literally. This gestural polyrhythmia that I recreate and resignify in my creative practice comes to me from and with the sounding body of black communities. My gesture behavior reflects a vast region of humanities whose virtual impulse is to reinvent itself. A way of doing that connects an ancestral presence through a corporal dialogue with the natural forces of our planet and the stars dance in the universe. To inhabit and enjoy these floods of energies, I have traveled through fountain tones of my body. I have experienced it as a sum of its interconnected parts. I have recognized the particular shape of every portion in its different states. 
space, volume, weight, and consciously articulated all the segments, hands to shoulders, shoulders to knees, head to toes, toes to gaze, gaze to cutsies, smile to neck. That voyage between and from the various fountain zones and body parts uncovers the landscape I occupy. Uterus, tree, seed, bones, stones, mountains, rivers, blood, saliva, sperm, pelvis, cave. Interrogating my body, landscape, territory also allows me to deconstruct decolonized notions, models of organization, significance, order, and hierarchies, decoding sensations and impositions that alienate me from the first stage where I perceived my being. Afro-Antillian Caribbean music and dances retain rhythmic gestural patterns that take me back to an ontogenic primary state. From that state, in the here and now, I can decide to associate and engage more freely and sincerely to the diverse expressions, modes, feelings that surround me and that lie outside of the cultural region that contains me. To dig into this black Antillean Caribbean woman's body down to her bones and to sign to it so that it express itself, returning fearlessly from oblivion. Then to inhabit that body and simultaneously discover it in many other places, many other people, many other women with similar tales and conditions. A map is drawn on top of feelings the vast region that emerges from experiences born from likeness, where borders are freed, you self-discover that the black body is a territory marked by resistance, by the fight to exist and survive. Those other bodies and their dances are inside this small and slim structure in my spine, each of its vertebrae. It links millions of bodies and desires through gestures, desires that continue to create escape acts, defense gestures, and define movements, like hip hop or gumby dances, which are club dances. These gestures tell epic tales of facing denial, rejection, racialization, contempt, and enslavement. A body language, a behavior in which movement spawns from rebelliousness, from dreaming and building freedom. This is the territory I occupy and construct, the multidimensional territory of resistance, as an expression of a black woman.
Arriving in Harlem, New York, in the 80s was dazzling. I recognized myself in the African diaspora. Same color and different languages, accents. Brazilians, Jamaicans, Haitians, African Americans, Africans. In a set of wide avenues where people's stride is controlled by traffic lights. I lived on the border in many ways, between the barrio, Puerto Rican's son, and 125th and 3rd. I always preferred to roam around Harlem. Black bodies mixed with food, women and men with dreadlocks down to their ankles and many braided heads. Bodies move around, bumping into street vendors, tables with incense, soups, oils, creams, and craft made in black hands. Every day I walk here in front of the Alvin Ali school and watch it from the corner, wanting to be there. But I didn't have a green card, and in the middle of all this ocean of gestures and colors, the sound of the djembe sounds like djembe, that acute African voice that I got to know in the community programs of the African-American public schools that in those days were still black territory. Allowing that voice to make me dance shocked my brain. Drum bits take me to and fro. They bring back the memory of the voyage on water. Not that I inhabit landscapes or characters that comes later. The first thing is that my body becomes feeling. I now understand the impact that gorilla women had on me. Those black females that I saw dance in the Harlem sessions, responding to the rhythmic keys of the djembes, those black jeans. Their massive skeletons and muscle mass express with surprising ability and speed, a different tale that I knew. The colonial sword pierced none of their gestures figures or movements. Their dance spoke with original vocabularies. Their dance, aesthetic and shapes contain no European elements. These practices were done by Africans directly related to those ethnicities, most of them immigrants. That is an essential precision to make because the transmission became more evident and more representative to observe Africa's values and cultural knowledge. In our country, we don't have any relations with African countries. It's embarrassing that we do not have embassies for any African country. The experience was also significant to weigh in on the difference that body writing and cultural construction created by Afro-descendant women express a recreation of the gestural behavior that signals the impact of the slavery period. Those black women saw with me through movement, the writing in their dances. A powerful tale about the joy of living and the attitude for survival, the experience of dancing alongside them, made me determined to observe, question, study, and organize their signifiers, significance in the patterns of African, Dominican, and Tilian dances. This is a topic I am still passionate about. The key is to follow the calling and to answer it.
Then my research focuses on drone beds and how the Antillian body responds. Three years later, when I returned to the DR, I had this blazing fire driving me to do different things and construct another creative exploration outside of the folklorizing view of the African cultural legacy. I am pretty outraged by the enclosure and reduction that leads to belittling the production and conceptual contributions of Afro-Antillian arts labeled as folkloric or naive. I found the best. Professor Nereida Rodriguez was my mentor and a great inspiration for positioning my practice of resistance as a black woman, artist, and activist. She was a great example on the Dominican stages because she represented through dance and traditional rhythms the black women and men, voodoo, the barrio, and she did it with beauty and dignity. We both had to deal with with subtle mockery and concealed rejection for being dancers, black artists. Still in the art academies and any of the training areas, schools, universities, etc. Africa is a commentary diluted and distorted by colonialism situated from Eurocentric thinking. In most of the spaces considered for exhibition or study, the works, representation, knowledge, sent contributions of Afro-descendant cultures have been excluded. I had decided not to do ballet because I felt ridiculous and above all because I was made to feel that way. My physical and social conditions are different from the references of ballerinas of the time. Nonetheless, I also felt sure that dancing mattered the most to me. So I carry on with perseverance, looking for myself and paying no attention. In the late 80s, my teacher Slayer, her magical creative space was a tiny classroom where amongst a lot of wardrobe, many drums, black youth and teens of poor mulatto descent from the barrio, which are not the same nor feel the same, became the creative laboratory I needed. There, apprentice dancers and percussionists gathered like a sancocho de siete carnes, seven meat stew, meats with bars, mirrors, drums, masks. I was on overflowing and powerful stage. She, the teacher, introduced me as the one in charge of the warm-up class and the techniques classes that she struggled to keep open for the group. There, I could start organizing the method for the scenic proposal that I wanted to develop. It wasn't just a dance school. Teatro Popular Danzante was and is the black home for Dominican art. Mm -hmm. 
Situated in the ethno-contemporary, in different contexts and from different dimensions of the dance stage, and the education for the scenic arts is a significant achievement because it has inscribed all their quests and premises in the production of meaning for choreographies made from the Dominican Republic. I think the most significant contribution in my trajectory as a creator is to have demonstrated that dances of African origins in Dominican tradition are valuable material to explore contemporary dance composition. It is interesting to situate this incursion as a creative lab where the signifiers of traditional dances, especially the ritual ones of a magical religious character, are retrogressed to a resignification of the gestural analogies, to elaborate different and diverse connections that are useful to express ourselves in the present from what has been lived in the recent past. The term and use of ethno-contemporary and that some choreo authors are constructing proposals and articulation. It takes the word ethnos, referring to the people, the popular and contemporary, to refer to what current generation think, say and feel. Searching for and using past and present symbolic expressions as source material for creation, linking and interpreting meaning in the gestural behavior and social stories is how we can configure the ethno-contemporary through corporal dramaturgy. I am interested in the research of the kinesic and the prosemic. I study and practice the traditional dances of the black communities, especially women, and their behavior in spectacular forms. I feel this lifetime won't suffice to express the powerful presence of black women as producers and guardians of healing knowledge and beauty through dance. Their bodies are offered as living scripture of the mysteries from where transformation forces spawn. In the Haitian Revolution, in the voodoo ceremony of Boa Caiman, Mambo Cecil Fatiman was the protagonist of the defense body. She took on the dance that invokes the sacred ancestor, the dance of the seven nymphs. She imagined, she showed in her fountain body, the force to construct freedom for all the African descendant communities in Abya Yala. The arrival, the materialization of the fruitful energies of nature become visible when you know the ritual dances of the native peoples. Today, such codes are repeated throughout the entire island and all the Antilles. One simply must know how to look at the female couriers as they keep the signs, the matrices of meaning, the configuration and trajectory of the sacred space where insurrection happens. Obviously, the transversal axis of this creative experience is political because it's born out of a marginalized context that denunciates from a subordinate condition. These creations propose a decolonization of knowledge from other epistemic sources, older materials, formats, and spaces for the circulation of works. It's political because it makes injustice visible.
The ethno-contemporary values, practices, and procedures used for creation in popular culture, where the aesthetics of popular representations confront simultaneous realities. These creations are diminished by the classifications that designate what belongs to hard art versus folklore and popular culture, which generates a bias that limits the creative dialogue in our present. The staging of the ethno-contemporary performance is disruptive because the black body and its emotions repeatedly aim to organize its ethos. These ethos remain unknown or at least dehumanized. Through the recovery of memories and secret tales installed in the body, I want to express through non-verbal language what I live as a black woman, the contrast between repression and desire, how we can escape the stereotypes, hegemonic social order. I believe that when you learn to move from the fault of body to move differently, you think differently. And that path is a legacy of Cimarron culture. This escape route produces autonomous Afro-descendant communities, more humanizing communities. That is the meaning that political action through dance has for me. Enrique Dussel comments, Philosophy is love for wisdom. The way to make love to this wisdom is to construct myth. Myth are rational narrative based around symbols. If we interpret the symbols, we can extract the base concepts. To make myth is to make philosophy. Myth solve theoretical problems. These symbols will relate to the core issues. Dussel connects the interpretation of dreams from their symbolic expression and poetry song in the fabric of myth and philosophical doing of native people. I am lucky to be self-taught and unlike the insufficient value placed on the empirical as a learning method. For me, it is a pleasure to learn and unlearn through observation, practice, and reflecting on experiences. I see this practice as the opportunity to escape from one of the most efficient traps of colonialism, the education systems. In most parts of the world, these are designed to strengthen capitalism creating workers and neuroticized consumers, and above all, to control people by disabling their capacity to imagine. I believe that the ability to imagine is cultivated and that creative artistic practices propose the development of this competence. Without imagination, it is challenging to transform our lives. This is why spaces that intend to exchange and collectivize knowledge can focus on artistic and cultural activities as content and strategies to strengthen attitudes and values that promote creativity, be applied in positive behaviors towards good living.
From this intention, I proposed the Kalalu Danza space, designed for Afro-descendant enclaves in the Dominican Republic, placing the universe of Afro-Antillian dance expressions as the base of the activities that will take place. At first, it was conceived as a pilot program to measure the impact of self-esteem in young black women. We black women need to identify our powers and understand where they come from and above all, what can be built with these personal and collective powers from our visions and practices as women. When you inhabit your body landscape and you can recognize yourself as a core that transmits a tremendous active force, you produce a collective making that moves and expresses well-being. The training of corporal expression is, therefore, thought as an activity that awakens the imagination and communication of the being, of being here and now. Kalalu Danza promotes circulating knowledge from black bodies that are polyrhythmic and neurological quality. The expression of this polyrhythmia is a quality that sustains the cultural identity of black communities. Through dance, black women especially them, express and transmit the myth. Their felt thought bodies in dances respond to a cosmovision, knowing how to compose by harmonizing different rhythms and simultaneously relating the signifiers, gesture movements, retrogressing philosophy through these gestural codes. Voodoo is written in their bodies. It's not just memory. Ritual dances in voodoo open portals to connect with the universe's energetic forces that include the nature surrounding us. In the ritual dances, Afro-descendant women had and have powerful political recreation that builds communities from diversity. They reorganize the myth and rituals between different ethnicities and languages, adapting and including ways of doing until they manage to assemble an ethos for the new black nation of the Americas. Their dances keep the secrets to co-creation. The communities in which we participate have an immense legacy. The exchange of knowledge with children and families has been productive to learn about the rhythmic keys the drum word that are seen as philosophical sources of thought in the Kalalu methodology. The Afro-descendant communities have been viciously bombarded for a long time through campaigns that destroy their managing capabilities and philosophic matrices, making black folks believe we are poor and not up to par with the development. Underdeveloped people that what we're called Black women only consider for care roles and to generate wealth for others. It is necessary to maintain the colonial practices firmly. 
I am interested in ethical education as one of the routes to escape these lies, which is why we follow matrices found in events about the traditions organized by communities and their female readers. The ethic and political vision are expressed in these traditional dances' musics. That is where we learn to build community, in those traditions that remain alive. A foundational characteristic is visible, calling, guiding voice and drums, and answering, the chorus and the agogic or sound gesture. This action occurs inside circles, formations, movement path, in a space, allowing for participation that fosters horizontality. There is an alternation of roles and functions according to the abilities of each one taking action. Practicing and understanding this way of doing is one purpose of the Kalalu methodology that investigates these pedagogies made invisible by racism and discrimination but still present in our societies. In the communities where we've set up our laboratory for contemporary scenic creation or research, we have observed changes in girls' attitudes. It's a process we begin between ages four and five. After growing into young women and having a risk from this experience, we see how they assume independent actions and activities differentiated by an attitude change towards participating in their communities. For example, they show more interest in getting educated and expressing their ideas. When we arrived at the Los Mercedes community, our headquarters in the Dominican Republic, only two women were studying. School desertion rates and teen pregnancy has a significant impact on Afro-descendant communities. Now, in 2021, the base community of Kalalu has approximately 30 young women continuing their education after high school. Young women are less afraid and shy to participate in various scenarios within their communities. Not silent is a slogan of the performative batucada that we present at feminist events. They recognize injustice and racism in family and school settings and demand changes. Disobeying rules and fighting for rights, Kalalu's alumni are young women who participate in the classroom and have acted as mediators in conflicts with Haitian immigrants. They can get together and propose activities that promote autonomous initiatives for cultural activities within their communities. They organize and or participate in community art events, working with children's groups. Twenty eighteen, a group of black artists came together in Bahia, Brazil. There were net shading viewpoints on building resistance. Artistic resistance spooned from recovering the memory of three Iyalocha women. The Barroquinha cultural space was selected because historically it has been a space for black resistance. In the terreiro set up in that land, the form of Keto Nations Candomblé came to be. 
This process was led by three women, Iyana So, Iyadeta, and Iyakala, whose biographies are wrapped up in a veil of mystery. In the experience of Obirin, I had the privilege to meet an honorable elder leader that was part of the Irmas de Boa Morte, Sisters of Good Death, formed in Cachoeira, Bahia, in the 1820s. These women played a significant role in the fights for the liberation of enslaved black people. One of the questions posed by this research was for her to comment on the fundamental purpose of this revered organization of black women. To my surprise, the old women said something like, we aimed to distribute energy, celebrate the samba da roda, dance music, and share the food. The political undercurrent of this comment is sound. Anthropologists, historians, etc. fell short of valuing this seemingly simple aspiration of black communities. The key word here is distribute. This thought philosophy of sharing distributing is at the very core of the creative expressions of Afro-descendant cultures. There is a lot of dance. Dance is biting. It is an active power that awakens and opens new connections in the brain. Above all, it places the fault body in the center of the human experience as a source of energy, the subject, object, or creative consciousness. Western scientists who study the brain now know that neurons vibrate sound polyrhythmically. Africans know this from the very origins of human societies. Kalalu assumes this practice, distributing the ashe, the strange. I am a dance. Today, many black women have managed to assume and adapt the legacies that Cimarron culture offers, escaping, running from, defending ourselves from the lack of respect for our human rights. In the Dominican Republic, the social, political, black feminist movement is small. We are, we create the strengths. The activisms of filmmakers like Joanne Gomez, theater women like Isabel Spencer and Clara Morel, Photographers, communicators are live voices that occupy spaces and point the ways to the autonomy of action and touch for black women. We also have allies that inspire us in Puerto Rico, Guadalupe, Haiti, Cuba, and old Antilles, with whom we can wave the new myth we need to dream up. I think it's essential to refer to what the choreographer of Senegalese descent, Bintou Dembélé, when in 2019 at the Paris Opera, she conducted the piece The Galant Indies to honor the memories of the Cimarronas. The fence is there, 
oppression. It does not allow us to move forward, but we can move dance. The objective is to occupy the space and inhabit joy. That's our strength. Let's dance. Promise No Promises is a podcast series produced by the Gender Center for Excellence, a research project of the Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, Academy of Art and Design in Basel, conceived as a think tank tasked to assess, develop and propose new social languages and methods to understand the role of gender in the arts, culture, science and technology, as well as in all knowledge areas that are interconnected with the field of culture today. The chapter Feminism in the Caribbean is a special collaboration with the Caribbean Art Initiative as part of the public program of the past exhibition one month after being known in that island, curated by Gina Jiménez-Suriel and Pablo Guardiola, and supported by the Kulturstiftung Basel H. Geiger. The Caribbean Art Initiative is committed to contemporary art that is related to the Caribbean and supporting the creative and cultural exchange between the Caribbean region and the rest of the world. If you're interested to get more information about further podcasts and events related to this project, please visit dertank.ch or subscribe to our newsletter at info.kunst.hgk at fhnw.ch. Recording and editing Sonia Fernandez-Pan. Words by Marily Gallardo. Translation of Marily's words to English by Albertine Kopp. Voice by Gina Jiménez-Suriel. Final editing and voiceover Elena Cesar. Music Stephen McAvoy. Research team Tabia Rothfuchs and Marion Ritzmann. Press and communication Anna Frankel. Technical support by Esther Hunziker, Karin Bohrer, Konrad Siegel and Chris Handberg. Copyright by Institut Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW and Kulturstiftung Basel H. Geiger, 2022.